0: Let's throw that picture up on the screen for me. That stately looking gentleman is a guy by the name of Christian Herder. He was uh, at one time the Secretary of State for our nation uh, back many years ago. Uh, before that, he served in a, a lot of different political offices, one of which is he was governor uh, of Massachusetts for, for two terms. There's a, a great story about Christian Herder when he was um, uh, kind of campaigning for his second term. And one particular Sunday, he had been out campaigning, and he ended up that late that afternoon at a, at a big, a, a large church picnic where he was walking around kind of meeting people and hobnobbing and all that kind of stuff, vote for me. And he hadn't eaten, and he was absolutely starving to death. And so he, he ended up, he's going through the line where they were distributing the food, and uh, as he had his plate out, the woman who was distributing the chicken put a piece of chicken on his plate. But he was so famished. Now, again, you got to understand, Christian Herder was a very reserved, very dignified kind of guy who, uh, you know, didn't, wasn't, wasn't really loud or boisterous or over, overbearing, but he was so hungry after she put that piece of chicken on his plate, he said, could I please have a second piece? And the woman looked at him and said, I am so sorry, just one piece per person. And, um, and But he was so hungry, <laughs> he decided to plead his case, and so he took a deep breath and he said, um, excuse me, ma'am, he said... You may not know who I am. I'm, I'm the governor of Massachusetts. Could, could I please have a second piece? And the woman looked at him and said, Governor, you may not know who I am. I'm the woman who distributes the chicken. Now, move along. <laughs> great story. Every once in a while, we need to be reminded that we're not in charge. That's a great thought for us. We've been in this series called Living a Life That Matters, and we've been looking at the life of Moses and asking the question, what would God do in us and through us if we really gave him a chance? We get one shot at this life. One shot at really allowing God to use us in a way to make a difference. And, and what does that look like? And we've been kind of tracking with, with Moses on this journey. And today I want to look at a piece that I think for all of us who have walked with the Lord any length of time could find us very apropos. We're gonna look at at Numbers chapter 20 together. And if you remember the storyline, this is a point in Moses' life where he's leading the people of Israel uh, through the wilderness. He's brought them out of Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. And, of course, along the way, walking through the wilderness, they've had all kinds of problems. They, you know, they had food issues and all these kinds of different things that were going on. And, and these people that Moses were leading, I mean, they were just like good church people. You know, they were constantly complaining. You know, they were always complaining about things weren't the way that they wanted them to be. And, and this particular day, this passage that we're looking at, uh, they find themselves in a place where they had just gotten kind of settled in. And then they realize there's no water. And so they started complaining to Moses. You know, we're, we're dying of thirst. What did you do? Bring us out here in the wilderness, you know, to kill us off. And uh, and so, you know, this this is what's going on. And now I want you to look at how Moses and Aaron respond to that. So look with me, Numbers chapter 20, beginning of verse 6. And by the way, we, this is from the New Living Translation. We have Bibles in front of you in the back of the pews, and if you want to look at those, you're more than welcome to. We'll throw this scripture up on the screen for the New Living Translation. But at These Bibles that we have in the pews, they are our gift to you. If you need a Bible, want you to take it home. If you have a friend who needs one, take one for them. Realize we do have them in English and Spanish there, so be sure you know which one you're taking. Numbers chapter, six, uh, chapter 20, beginning of verse 6. Here's what it says. Once all this had taken place, it said, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people, and they went to the entrance of the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was the temporary structure that they would set up, and it was the meeting place where they would literally meet with God. They went there, and where they fell down, face down on the ground, and the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff. Now, that was the staff that God had given Moses in Exodus 3, which kind of the symbol of the fact that he was uh, God's man, God's authority to the people. He said, "Take, take the staff and assemble the entire community. And as the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did what he was told. He took the staff from that place where it was kept before the Lord. But look what happens. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather around the rock. Listen, you rebels, Moses shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? And then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. And so the entire community and their livestock drink their fill. Listen to this. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. Now, when you, when you read this passage of scripture, it's like, wow, that was really harsh. I mean, the people were thirsty. Uh, God gave him the instructions but I, I want you to understand the significance of what Moses did and how Moses did it and, and why, why it, he, he received the, the, the reaction from God the way that he did. You, you remember again, when God was speaking to him, did God tell him to hit the rock? It's not a trick question. It was there. Did God tell him to hit the rock? No. What did he tell him? Speak to the rock. Now, I want you to imagine the scenario if Moses had done what God had instructed him to do. He was to speak to the rock. So picture this with me. Here's the rock that Moses comes up to. The people are gathered around. If Moses had done what God had asked him to do, Moses would have raised his staff and he would have said, in the name of the Lord our God who brought us out of Israel, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I command that the water will come forth from this rock and the water would have, would have come out, and the people would have been in awe of God. But look at what Moses did. He, he takes the staff, and he gets to the people. Now, you can tell Moses is really amped up. You know, he's really angry. And what does he say? Listen, you rebels, must we, me and Aaron, Must we bring water from this rock? And he strikes it twice, and the water comes out. Now, God, in his grace, gives water to the people because the people needed the water. But Moses forgot he wasn't the one in charge, God was. In that moment, Moses did a couple of things that that were really just uh, uh, awful as far as God was concerned. One, Moses stole the glory from God because instead of praying toward the rock, And the water coming out and people going, oh, what an awesome God we serve. What a gracious and powerful God we serve. Moses takes a staff and he smacks the rock twice with it and the water came out. Now people are in fear of who? Of Moses. Moses stole the glory from God and he presented an an image of an angry God before the people rather than a God who was slow to anger and abounding in love. When I was reading this and working on this series, one of the things that hit me is that along the way in our journey of faith, it's awful easy to forget that God is in charge and we are not. And I think it's really important along the way to, to come to places where we remind ourselves of who we're acting on behalf of. Can we talk about that today? I wanna unpack for you just a, a few thoughts that I that I hope will help you. As I was working on this, I, I came back to, to this statement, and this would just be good for you to put up somewhere to, to keep reminding yourself. I put this on your outline. God's work done God's way in God's spirit brings God's blessing. Can I say that again? God's work done God's way in God's spirit brings God's blessing. That's just a great principle for us to keep in mind. I wanna wanna give you some stuff for you to just take home and, and chew on this next week about how to remind yourself of who's in charge. Are you ready? Here we go. I'll give you a couple of thoughts. Here's the first one. First of all, we we need to remember that, that you are a steward and not an owner of your life and your calling. You're a steward, not an owner of your life and your calling. It's so easy to forget who this life really belongs to and who this ministry really belongs to. I love a woman who was talking about a little adventure that she had um, when she was flying. And she was flying someplace cross-country where she had to make a stopover and have a layover. And she said she had a little time to kill. And so she, she went through a little store and she got a cup of coffee and she bought a pack of cookies. And she made her way over and, and sat at a, at a table in a little uh, kind of airport lounge area there. And she was sipping her coffee and she had a newspaper and she was reading a newspaper and she heard some rustling and she put down her newspaper and there was a guy who had sat down at this table across the table from her and he was opening her pack of cookies. And she's like, what? And the guy smiles and nods at her and takes a cookie out and starts eating it. Well, the woman, I mean, it's like, really? You're going to eat my cookies? And she just looks at him and, you know, takes one and is like, oh, you're not going to eat all of it. And she starts eating one. And uh, she said that she sat there and was drinking her coffee, eating a cookie. She kept, she kept hearing the guy, he would get a cookie, then she would get a cookie. And she said, finally, it got to where there was only one cookie left. And she said, before she could reach for it, she said, the man took her cookie, broke it in half and slid her one half across the table and ate the other half. And then she said, he smiled and walks away and she grabs the cookie, throws it in her mouth and she said, by this time, I'm livid. I'm just absolutely livid. I can't believe this guy had this kind of audacity. But she never said anything. So she makes her way to her gate and as, <laughs> and as she's getting ready to board the plane, she goes, I'm sitting in this gate area. She goes, and I'm just fuming, fuming at the audacity this guy had. She said, finally, they started calling for people to board the plane. She goes, I open my bag, grab my, my, my boarding pass out and there I spotted my pack of cookies. <laughs> he goes, I was taking the man's cookies. <laughs> you need to know what you own and what you don't. Look at me, don't miss this. And you don't own any of this. Can I say that again? You don't own any of this let's look together at the at the the passage of scripture there psalm 24 1 read this out loud with me church the earth is the lord's and everything in it the world and all its people belong to him who do the people on your pew belong to it's not a trick question who who do you belong to God, The Bible tells us clearly, the world and everything in it, all the people, they belong to him. Here's how Paul says it. He says, you should know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit that you have received from God and that lives in you. Read it with me, church. You don't own yourselves. God paid a very high price to make you his. So honor God in, with your body. Honor God with your body. In other words, you, you are not the owner of anything. This will, this will really help us when we begin to think this way. This life I have in this journey of faith that I'm walking, it belongs to God. It's not mine. These gifts, everything I have, every good and perfect gift has come from above, from the Father of life. This family that I've got, this is not my family. It's God's family. I'm just a steward of it. This church. I, I may be the pastor of this church, but you know what? This is, this is not my church. It's God's church. I, I'm just a steward of it. Think with me about this. Your job, whatever it is that you do, whatever, wherever it is that God has placed you, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. And when we know that we're stewards and, and not owners, it changes everything. Everything. I was thinking about Moses and his journey with the Lord and, and what was true for him was so true for us. You know, I put these on your outline, things that we have to keep in mind. It's, it's God who does the calling Moses didn't decide to go back to Egypt. God called him to that. Uh, It's God who does the leading. Moses had no idea where God was taking him to. It was God who was leading him. It was God who does the empowering. God who gave them the strength for the journey. It was God who gives the wisdom of, uh, of what to do and how to do it. It was God who performed the miracles. It's God working through us. Look at me, church. It's not about us. And a great day in our lives is when we realize, God, I don't own any of this. I'm just a steward. This is yours. Help me to treat this life, all I have and all I do, as though it belongs to you. Because it does. Amen? It does. Here's a second thought for you. Whenever we exercise the authority of Christ, the, the authority of Christ should only be exercised in the attitude of Christ. The authority of Christ should only be exercised in the attitude of Christ. You know, there's an old saying from years ago that says, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that we realize is sometimes God places us in positions where we have authority, where we have power. Now, look at me. Please hear my heart. We need to be very, very careful how we exercise that authority. As a parent, I need to be very careful how I exercise my authority as a parent or as a grandparent or as a business owner or as a ministry leader or or as a pastor. We need to be very careful about the attitude with which we act because, again, it doesn't belong to me, and I just need to make sure that I'm allowing Christ to work through me the proper way with the proper attitude. You know, we talk a lot about servant leadership, and that that's the way that we ought to live, and it's so true. But what does that really look like? heard a great example of that um, some years back. There was a, a hospital administrator in Virginia by the name of Bill Adams, and uh, Bill got a call one day from a woman who was very distraught. Um, her mother had died in that hospital just uh, a day or so before. And she was telling Bill, she said, you know, Bill, she said, uh, Mr. Adams, she goes, my, my mother died, and, and you know, they went, she went through a, a long stay there, and she said, we discovered after we collected our mother's body, she said, my, what, my mother's wedding ring was missing. And she said, my, my mother and father were married over 50 years. And she said, well, my dad saw that her wedding ring was gone. She said, he, he, was, so, he was so distraught. And, you know, I called the nurses and they didn't know anything about it. But if, if you could help us find that wedding ring, it, it would mean the world to our family and my father. So Bill Adams, he had a, a really tender heart, and so he, he went up to the ward where the woman had been a patient and talked to the nurses that were there, went into the room with them, and they began to look around. They said, you know, uh, Mr. Adams, we've checked the room. They called up here. We, we looked in the bathroom. We've looked everywhere. She said, the woman had cancer. She lost a lot of weight. That, that ring could have slipped off at any point. And he, and he said, we, we've looked everywhere. We don't know what to do. And Bill Adams was really, he felt really bad. He went back to his, he went back to his office and he, he sat down and he said, you know, I just kept thinking about what if this was my wife? What if this was my mother? How would I feel? And he, he said, I just, I felt so overwhelmed. He goes, I, I figured there's, there's gotta be something else I could do. He said, so I, I ended up going, finding out where the laundry from that particular room went to. And he said, I went down to the basement where, from that particular laundry chute emptied into a bin, the CEO of this hospital climbed into the bin of dirty laundry and began to just sort through it. And don't you know, he found the ring. Bill Adams said he called the, the, the daughter and, and her husband and asked him if they could come to the hospital the next day. And he said, one of the greatest days of my life was when they came in and I stood up and I held out my hand where they could see that ring. He said, I'll never forget the look on their faces and the joy it brought to my heart. You know what? When I read that story, I thought, that's what servant leadership really looks like. This guy was a CEO. He, he could have flexed his muscles. He could have said, that's not my job. That's not my responsibility. He didn't. But you know what? He put the needs of this family ahead of himself. He took on. If you want a great image of what Jesus Christ looks like in leadership, that's it. I love how Paul describes this. And I want you to just think with me. Just think with me about the attitude with which you lived last week. Wherever you went, whatever you did, Was this the kind of attitude that came through you at work, at home, wherever you are, with whatever God's given you? Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 2. In your life together, Paul says, think the way Jesus Christ thought. He was like God in every way, but he did not think that his being equal with God was something to use for his own benefit. Instead, he gave up everything, even his place with God. Read it out loud with me. He accepted the role of a servant appearing in human form. I put this statement on your outline. The more power you have, the more humility you have to harness it with. Now, it's just a thought, but I think it's a really good one for us to have. In this journey of faith, knowing that our lives, our talents, our positions, everything that we have is a gift from God, here's all I want to ask you. Did you demonstrate the character and the attitude of Christ wherever you were. You see, that's so important. When Moses was beating that rock and yelling at the people in anger, calling them rebels and saying, you know, how long do we have to you know, put up with you? Do we have to bring, when he was doing all of that, do you think he was giving a good image of God? Look at me. We are to be the visible images of our Lord Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Amen. We are all people see of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to live in the same attitude that Christ had. Here's the third one. Deal with your issues before they derail you. Deal with your issues before they derail you. Okay, come on. It's just us. Sunday morning, great place to confess. How many of you are honest enough to admit you got issues? Yeah. How many of you are sitting next to somebody? They got a lot of issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little easier. Isn't it? Yeah. They got a lot of issues. Your best, one of the best days of your life will be the day that you recognize what your issues really are. Now, I want you to catch this. What was Moses' issue? Anybody want to guess? Yeah. He was what? Angry. Bingo. Give that girl a $5 bill, Silas. <laughs> Angry. Hey, hey, Moses had anger issues. And, and if you look back, this tracks all the way back. I mean, you remember, you remember what happened with Moses from the very beginning? He, he saw an, an Egyptian guy beating up one of his brethren. And what did Moses do? He kills the guy. Yeah, he gets angry, he jumps in and kills. Now what you see is this anger issue with Moses comes up again and again and again, and here he is. He has, this, he has this remarkable opportunity to demonstrate the grace and the power and love of God and compassion of God for the people, but instead of doing it the way God wanted him to do it, his anger got in the way of his people and he starts beating the rock. And that issue not only portrayed a horrible image of God, but it cost Moses the opportunity to go into the promised land. Now, again, come on, gang. It's just us. I love you. You know I do. But y'all got issues. Pastor Steve has issues. Amen. Who said that? <laughs> yeah, Pastor Steve's got issues. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you that a part of a part of my journey of faith is constantly coming before God to deal with me with the issues that I have. You know, in our staff we're, we're going through a book um, called Spiritual Leadership Henry Blackman and it's a, it's really a great book and not long ago we were talking Jordan, was, Pastor Jordan was leading us through this chapter and we were talking about Abraham and how when Abraham was confronted about Sarah being his wife how he lied and, and we, we were unpacking together in staff, you know what are the times in our leadership where, where we're tempted to, to not say what we really mean, or, or, or we're tempted to bend the truth, or, or, or to lie to someone to avoid a difficult time. And we, and we got talking about sometimes, you know, as, as, as pastors and leaders, our, our codependency and our people-pleasing issues kind of get in the way, and instead of living in truth and walking in truth, sometimes we, sometimes we make commitments we can't live up to, or we're afraid to tell people that we really have dropped the ball and haven't done what they've asked us to do. That's part of the issues. Um, Some years ago when I was heading to Pennsylvania to be a pastor, uh, just before I moved here, I got a call from a woman in the church who said that her son had tried to overdose on aspirin. And um, he was, uh, you know, just had been distraught and all of this. And she said, you know, Pastor Steve, she goes, we're so excited about you coming here to our church because, you know, we, I, know I just know you're going to be the one to reach him and you're going to be the one to, you know, to, to connect with him. And he already admires you. And she was building me up. And in my codependency, I'm just like, oh, yes, it's true. It's true. It's true. You know, rip off my shirt and the big ass on my chest. Yes, you know. And, you know, and that codependence kicking, and I, I just leaned into that, and I said, you know what, man, when I get there, I, I will call him every week and check on him, and, and, and I'll, you know, I'll do all that, and I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'll call him every week. And so I got there, you know, in the first week, I called him checked in on him, how you doing, bud, You know, blah, blah, blah. Second week, I called him, checked in on him, how you doing? Third week, I got busy with something or I was out of town and I missed the third week. And, and then next week, I, I called him again. And, and then the next week, I think I called him again. But then I was gone for a couple weeks and, and, and I completely blanked out. And two or three weeks went by and I hadn't called him. And suddenly one afternoon, I get a call from his mother and says, Pastor Steve, I am so disappointed in you. You know, you made a promise that you were gonna call him every week. And you've not called him now for the last three or four weeks. and Our family is really hurt. Now look at me. I want you to hear my heart. I meant well. I have wonderful intentions. But I made a promise I never should have made. What I should have said to her in response to her plea for me to help connect with him was, You know, honey, I'll be be happy to check in on your son from time to time and and let him know this. Uh, Let him know that here's my number and if he needs me, he he can feel free to call me and I'll be happy to come alongside of him as, as much as I can. I should have never promised that I would do something every week. If I'd have thought about it for two seconds, I would have known. That's a really dumb thing to commit to. That's a really dumb thing to commit to. Look at me. Sometimes, out of our... We, 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 we move from caring and compassion to codependency. And we do more harm than good. And we derail. You see, in that instance, I didn't glorify God to her and her family. I diminished God. My dysfunction, my issue derailed that. Does that make sense to you? Now, again, gang, I don't know what your issues are. It doesn't matter. We all have them. That's the thing you need to know. We all have them. What we need to do is to bring them under submission to the Lord so that they don't derail the very work that God wants to do through us. Ephesians chapter 4 says, don't sin by letting your anger control you. Read it with me. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to who? To the devil. In other words, you, you, you lean into that anger. You, you're trying to fulfill the call of God, but you're making room for Satan to partner with you. How, how crazy is that? James 1 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be, read it with me, church, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Let's deal with our issues. Let me give you one last thought. Make surrender a daily act of worship. Make surrender a daily act of worship. I made an incredible discovery along the way on this journey of faith. Can I tell you what it is? God needs more from me than one moment at an altar where I surrender my life to him. What I've discovered in my journey of faith is that my surrender to God has to be a regular daily part of the way I live. I love passage from Proverbs chapter three, you know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, read it with me church. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. in all your ways, and I'm going to add the verse, in every single day, submit to him, and he will direct your path. I know many of you um, saw last month in the news the, all of the uh, fanfare that had to do with uh, the death of Queen Elizabeth II and and uh, the queen of uh, Great Britain um, or the United Kingdom. And uh, really interesting uh, just hearing a lot of the stories that have come out about her and her leadership and her impact. Again, it's one of those times where you look back over 96 years of life and what kind of legacy did you leave? What kind of difference did you make? And There was one story that that really hit me, though. uh, It was One who was telling a story about one time when Queen Elizabeth II went to a a chapel service, and the chaplain that day spoke on the second coming of Christ. And after the chapel service, Queen Elizabeth went up to the chaplain and they were engaging in a conversation about his message, and she said this to him She said, "I, I really hope, I really hope Jesus comes back before I die. And the chaplain said, Well, why do you say that? She says, because I want the privilege of taking off my crown and laying it at his feet. What a beautiful image. Well, we can do that. And you know what? We need to do that every single day of our lives. Every single day, we need to come before God humble our hearts and say, Lord, this life is not mine. It's yours. This family, it's not mine. It's yours. This ministry, this class, this job, this church, it's not mine. It's yours. Help me to do your will, your way, in your spirit. We need to surrender. I, I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes and I, I want to I end a little bit differently than we normally do. I just think surrender is, it's become such an incredibly important part of my life and I can't help but believe that there, there may be a number of us today that, that know we have some pieces of our life that we need to surrender to the Lord. It may be attitudes that we have. It may be indifference that we've been living with. It may be our families that we've been trying to control or our job where we've not been the kind of leader that we've needed to be. It may may be that we've just living our life of faith and we've been trying to do it out of our own strength and not really leaning into the Lord every day the way that we should. I I just wonder if there might not be a lot of us who just need to, to surrender today. So here's what I want you to do. If, if today you would like to surrender before the Lord, if you'd like to surrender your heart to him, if you'd like to surrender your attitude to him, if you'd like to surrender your family to him, whatever, whatever it is you wanna do, I, I just want you to stand right where you are. I just want you to cup your hands in front of you and I just want you to offer it before God. I just want you to stand there with it. And then I wanna offer a prayer on our behalf. So wherever you are in the room, if God is leaning on your heart, if he's speaking to you, just stand, cup your hands, Stand before the Lord for a moment. Offer to him whatever it is you feel like you need to give. Whisper a quiet prayer to say, make this yours, Lord. Make this yours. Let me pray. Father, as we come before you today, we we declare in your presence that we are, we are not the owners of these lives. We're just stewards. We brought nothing with us into this world. We'll leave with nothing, God. Everything that we are, everything that we have, it's all a gift from you. And all too often, Lord, in our, in our journey of faith, we, we forget that. We, we start claiming ownership over things that we have no ownership of. And And today, Lord, as we cup our hands, you know what it is that we're offering before you. For some of us, it may be our hearts. For some of us, we may have been trying to live our own lives our way. And today, Lord Jesus, we surrender our heart. We need you as Savior and Lord. We give you all that we have. give you all that we are. Forgive us for our past. Lead us into a glorious future by the power of your grace. Father for some of us it's our attitudes. We we know that we have not been demonstrating the attitude of Christ. Lord, we're so sorry. We pray that you will reflect through us everywhere we are. For some of us Lord, it's it's the issues that we've got. It's it's that stuff that's been clinging to us. It's our it's our anger, it's our, it's our addictions, it's our codependency, it's our people pleasing. It, it, it's those things, Father, that are constantly getting in the way of us serving you Wow. And we yield it before you. Lord, break the chain, set us free. Help nothing to derail the work that you're trying to do through us. Here today, Lord, we take off our crown our crown that you've given us to to have dominion in our world, we lay it at your feet, you are the king and we are simply the stewards of your kingdom. Take our lives. Use them for your glory, we pray. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask. And everyone said, amen.